my guy, George Midget. George and I worked together at the University of Kansas for a year, got to know each other, working on a few projects and playing a lot of noon ball together. George, what's going on, my man? What's going on, D Stark? How you doing? I'm great, man. Living large in Wisconsin this summer. We got a Bucks championship. Brewers in first place. Aaron Rodgers is in Green Bay. It was good. As a Chicago fan, I hate all of the things that you just said right now. <laughs> Understandably so. Understandably so. It's a tough day for the Cubs. They've traded Javi Baez to the Mets. I believe Rizzo went to the Yankees yesterday and uh, saw something on Twitter about Chris Bryant potentially being unloaded by the end of the day as well. So thoughts and prayers. Uh, you know, it is what it is. Um, I would say that I'm hurt, but, you know, I, you've kind of expected this, you know, aging core. Um, as you know, you know, you, you, you just saw the first Bucks championship in, in your lifetime. Um, so, uh, you know, you've seen more of the down rebuilding part, you know, for me, this is, it's very familiar to the time where the bulls, you know, started to do their last dance and started to fade out. So, um, it sucks, but you know, you, you hope that the foundation is at least secure that it's not going to be that long of a rebuild. Absolutely. They're getting a haul of prospects in these deals. So I have a, a feeling that there's a visionary in that front office. And within the next few years, we'll see the Cubs start to climb the ranks a little bit in the central once again. Let, let, let's hope so. Hopefully this is just a one down period and those prospects actually pan out. Yeah, absolutely. At least half of them. If you hit on half, right. you're in good shape for right. sure. But yeah, like I said, you know, we work together at KU. You have an extensive history, a lot of experience working in intercollegiate athletics and uh, just wanted to kind of pick your brain on on your thoughts of working in that world. You know, so many people dream of working in sports and college athletics. Some see that to fruition. Others never really get the opportunity. So what's that experience been like you throughout the past decade or so? Well, it's interesting. You know, um, I was fortunate enough to start, you know, very young. Uh, I started my first job at Vandy when I was 23. And I had a few student athletes who were even older than me. And so to navigate growing up as a as a, a person, period, and then being able to do a job and do it effectively at a power five institution, you know, was uh, it was a harrowing experience, to say the, the least. But um, it was one of those that, you know, when you, once you start doing the job, you fall in love with it. Um, and so you realize you have a greater purpose. Um, you know, people always asked what I did when I first started. Um, for those who don't know, I started off in compliance. Um, when I first started, uh, yeah, I used to tell people my job was to make sure that my school didn't end up on the bottom line for negative reasons. And so my job is to make sure that I did everything impossible to educate the staff and student athletes on things to not get in trouble. And, but, you know, throughout time, as anything, you evolve. And I realized my passion lied with the student athletes more than anything and helping build them up because I was once them, you know, I'm a former student athlete. Um, I played baseball well, um, you know, at Fisk University, which is right down the street from Vandy. And when I got out of school, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I didn't want student athletes to go through the same thing that I went through. And so uh, I realized a lot of times students would only be talking to me when they were either in trouble or about to leave the university. And again, you know, if you can affect that on the front end, you should do so. And so I started to volunteer and then here we are. I love it, man. And I don't think I've heard a lot about your college baseball career, but it'd be fun to dive into that a little bit as well. But, uh, you know, compliance is one of those areas in athletics that I think a lot of people 
you get kind of nervous about. You don't want to interact with people in compliance. There's some stigmas about it being dry and kind of boring, but that isn't always the case. You know, there's a lot of really fun people who work in that area. I know our friend Paul Pierce spent a lot of time in compliance and it's a really vital aspect of the entire athletic operation. No, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, um, I was lucky enough, uh, my boss at the time, the now AD at Vandy, uh, Candace Lee, uh, I was able to grow with her, with her being a former student athlete and, and me being a st former student athlete, we both had a different perspective of what it looked like from the other side. And we often try to not be the no police, which compliance is, you know, often misidentified as. We wanted to say, you know, we want to help you. We want to make sure that if we're saying no, this is why we're saying no. And we tried to break a lot of those stigmas. And I think that carried over pretty well. Um, you know, we didn't have a lot of violations, but with any school, you're going to have violations, but we didn't have a lot of violations. And the rapport that we had with our coaches, with our players, I think went a long way in building up that trust, that rapport so that we could really, you know, affect change. Um, and as we all know, rules are in everything. So we wanted to make sure that, hey, if this is going on, you have the open door policy to come in and, and discuss anything that you needed to so that you're not violating you know, those rules and so that you can stay it on the field. Absolutely. And right now with the name image likeness kind of becoming a huge aspect of what's going on in the landscape of athletics, it's going to be really unique to see how these compliance officers and departments navigate the space because uh, everything's about to change. Everything has changed, right? Like it, we went from zero to a hundred in June, there was no NIL. And in July, Emmert and the NCAA opened it up. And now it's kind of the wild, wild west. Well, I, I think that you're going to get left behind if you don't change with the times. Um, going are going to be the days of, uh, you know, do it because I said so. You know, people want explanations. These student athletes are becoming savvier and savvier, and they can read up stuff on their own. They have access to the rules, and they're going to live in that gray area unless you give them reasons not to. Um, you're also going to have a, a staff that is um, – very, very up to date with social media networking. Um, again, you, you kind of mentioned it to it earlier, or at least alluded to it. And the fact that um, I took the name and mission light cert, uh, certification. Why? Because you, you have to be on uh, up to date on these type of things to assist your student athletes, um, to make sure that you're helping them brand themselves. And, and again, um, you know, people from a student athlete development realm, they've been doing that for a very long time. That's really their job. But to, to put a put a more of a name on it to really be helping them in the long run and really setting up plans and showing them how they can effectively put themselves out uh, for not not just potential sponsorships, but to market themselves for for jobs when they're done, I think goes a long way. Totally agree. And we hear a lot about personal branding and sometimes it is stigmatized. People think it's talked about too much. And it's always focused on yourself and the athlete and not the organization, program, and teams. Can you talk about personal planning and why it is so important? Well, I think it's important because, again, uh, a lot of times when you are going for positions, sometimes your name might be in the room before you're in the room. And you want it to speak, you know, what your name's saying when you're not in the room. Um, you know, how are people talking about you when you're not around? What impression have you, have you left? Um, it was a while ago, but I, I took some assessments 
And one of the assessments was, you know, you had to write down all the stuff you thought about yourself, you know, and how you pictured yourself. And then you had to give it to five different coworkers to see what they thought about you. And, you know, it's a, it's a sobering thought when you get those assessments back and what you think about yourself and what other people think about you do not line up. Um, and so it makes you really think about what am I putting out there into the universe? And so, again, you have to be intentional about what you want to put out. Um, is it something where you are, you know, you say, hey, I want to be kind, but, you know, there's images of you out there, you know, trash talking on the court or, uh, you know, saying, you know, hurtful things to people. That's not really coming off as a kind person. You know, what are you doing to show that you are kind? Again, what do you want to convey to the world? And so sitting down and getting down to the, the brass tacks of everything to really figure out where you at as, as a core, um, I think goes a long way. So figuring that out, you know, having those assessments, figuring it out, because sometimes you may not know, I, you know, me at 17, when I first started college is not who I was when I was 21, when I graduated. And so throughout that time, I evolved. And so again, what is it? Where do you want to be? Where do you, how do we get you to that point? And so that's where personal branding comes in, where you can really figure out where you are at the core and then where you want to be overall. That's beautiful, man. You talk about that assessment. Is that the 365 assessment you were alluding to? So no, but I, I've done those as well. This okay. is, a, so it started off as the DISC assessment. I don't know if you've done this. Oh yeah, with KU Leeds. That was an awesome one. Okay, so what are you? I'm, I'm, I'm assuming without you telling me anything, because again, we're going off of branding, how yeah. you project yourself, that you were probably an I. Definitely. That's what I always thought, is that I would be a high I, and I did mm -hmm. score pretty high there, but I scored even higher in the S, just being steady and consistent, you know, mm -hmm. just kind of showing up every day and being dependable. But right. um, I, I think I view myself more as an I, but like when I talk to people like Janer and folks I'd work with, like, no, you're a little bit more of an S. Mm -hmm. Well, ironically, I think I've hit every letter. Um, and then being a student athlete development, the last time I took it, um, I was a C and a D. Um, because I am, I'm, when, you, when you're around a lot of idea people, sometimes you just want to get to the point of how can we implement this? What yep. is it going to take to get it done? We've done enough talking. We've done enough hugging and, and kumbayas. <laughs> You know, what is it that we need to do to implement everything? Because what is an idea that doesn't happen? Mm, yeah, that's a good point. I wish I was a higher C too. C stands for conscientiousness, I believe. So mm -hmm. kind of just like taking care of business. Like let's let's get some action behind these words. Exactly right, what we're right. into there. And then right, the D, right. D is a little bit more of like the dominating personality, right? Like a really strong leader. Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes... You, you can be so wrapped up in making decisions that you don't make the decision. And so sometimes you just have to say, let's just go. Um, and it's not always easy to do that. It's not always easy to make those tough decisions. Um, you know, again, we, we kind of alluded to it earlier. We were talking about the trade deadline, you know, you, you know, with the Cubs, you know, sorry to deviate, but you know, the Cubs were just a world series team, a world series championship team in 2016. It's now 2021. It's less than five years after they won that title and they're dismantling the team right now where you have some other people who might hold on to that and just say, well, you know, this person's done this, this person's done that. There's a lot of good that's still here. And, you know, then you're stuck in the same rut for years to come. You know, the person is ripping off the bandaid and just, you know, reattacking things and starting over, I think is, is very useful um, in today's workforce. 
Yeah, that's a really good point. It doesn't feel like that long ago, but it is five years already. And sometimes you can hang on to those memories and those teams and fail to continue to grow. It's kind of like Giannis had that quote a couple of weeks ago in one of the press conferences talking about when I'm living in the past, that's my ego. When I'm living in the future, that's my pride. When I'm being right, right here right now, that's humility. Uh, right. and I think that's exactly what the Cubs are doing. They're like, let's strip this down and build it again. Because that's just the way it works. And, and it also works on the individual level, right? Like, we're always in process and growing. And if we're just going to be complacent and say, well, I'm already as good as I need to be, then we're going to get left behind. And that has a lot to do with kind of the personal branding and personal development that we're talking about here. Right. It's funny. And it's an interesting segue as well. It's, you know, just thinking about collegiate athletics as a whole, you know, you have some people who are like, this is the way we've always done it. You know, NIL should have been in place years ago. Um, but we're just now getting to the point and now it's chaos because there's not, you know, one particular way on how to to regulate things. You know, you have you're waiting on all these different state legislations. If they don't have state legislations, then you have to go and make your own. Um, you know, some you know, some states are going to have an advantage because they have no taxes. Um, some are going to be, you know, have more of an advantage because they're bigger states overall. You know, so, you know, you're going to have student athletes not just picking schools, not based on education or playing time anymore. It's gonna be, who can make me the most bang for my buck? And it, it and to me, that then cheapens the game of collegiate athletics becomes, because it doesn't come about the quality, the tradition of the school, it becomes an arms race. Well, you know, they had newer stuff or I was able to make $4.6 million doing this as opposed to going here and I'll only make 2 million. And, it, you know, it becomes a business decision. And, you know, but this is, the way it's evolved to it and you know you got to go ahead and, and, and move with it absolutely adapt or die as they say but it is scary you know some people think this could be the beginning of the end when it comes to the ncaa and college athletics as a whole you know it'll be very fascinating when we have student athletes who are making more than their coaches and the administrators and you got somebody working in social media making 35k a year and you got a football player who might be making that in a week you know it's just all these different dynamics that we've never had to deal with in the past and I'm not saying they're right or wrong. It's just the reality and the economics of what's going on, right? Supply and demand. If there's a local right. person that wants to pay you 10K to come sign some autographs on a Saturday afternoon and you're a student athlete, I would highly encourage you to do that. Right. I, I, I would say, you know, to your point that, you know, I think that without the NCAA, there's going to be another form. It's going to be another association because that's how you're going to be able to play. So, the NCAA in, in most capacities is not going anywhere. You know, people always think about that because they think about division one sports, but you have division two, you have division three, or even on the flip side, you have division F you have FBS football and then you have SCS football. So they're all different in different regions. So again, maybe you, you might have your power five conferences that might want to break away. But again, as you can already see, it would be chaotic there as well. I mean, you're going to have one big super conference. Who does that benefit? Not very many people, uh, but I will say that it, it's funny that you say when well, you have the, the the student athletes who might be making more than their coaches. But we, you know, there is the, the the whole thought that you know we often say this in athletics: without the student athletes, none of us have jobs anyway. So it should be about time that they get rewarded for that anyway. Because if they're not on the field doing what they're doing, we can't get paid anyway. And as far as the creatives, it gives them the avenue to actually make more money 
because they can go and create side deals with these student athletes to put content out there. You're seeing a lot of creatives that are leaving universities and starting their own businesses because of that. Um, so I, I think if you are creative right now, it's a special time to be in athletics. Um, if you're a student athlete who has a story to tell, it's a special time, no matter what sport you're in, no matter what school you're in. You know, we look at, I, you know, we look at ESPN or we look at Fox Sports and we see the, you know, these stories, you know, like when it comes draft time, you know, this person is, came from this, this situation to, you know, persevere from that. Um, they broke their neck and now they've come back and, you know, it's the media telling their story. Now we get a chance to have students tell their own story. Um, I think, you know, that was the impetus that, you know, we tried to emphasize, you know, when I was at KU in creating the Jayhawk athlete movement. It was kind of in that same role where we wanted student athletes to use their platforms to express how they felt from a voter education standpoint, from a social justice standpoint, just about themselves to put the narrative in their hands out of, outside of whatever the media wants to portray them as. Absolutely. And I commend the work that you guys all did there too. I mean, that was right on time and it was highly overdue too. You know, uh, you kind of talked about how name image likeness showed up a, a few years later than it should have. And mm -hmm. you feel for all the athletes that missed out on those opportunities to capitalize on when their brand is arguably the best it'll ever be. Right. right. When you are a student athlete, fans and donors and organizations want access to you now, mm -hmm. two, three years after you're done playing, I'm not going to say you're irrelevant, but if you didn't go pro, that demand just isn't quite there. Right. So right. It's, it's very important. And, and it's great to see that it's happening right now. And I'm so proud of you for getting that certificate. And I actually have the browser pulled up right now. I, I'm going to do it as well. Well, you know, I, I appreciate that. I, I really do. But again, you know, I think, you know, you just need as many tools as possible to help equip yourself with the, 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 the changing of the guard. I will say that, you know, I look at it now, um, if you don't have a understanding of Adobe or Canva or, you know, some of these social media apps, you're going to get left in the dust. Um, for myself, you know, I, I want to say if it's social media, I have an account. It, I, I have a TikTok with one reel on it, but hey, I have a TikTok. You know, I have Snapchat, I, I have Instagram, I have Facebook, I have Twitter. And, and the reason why is, is because I may not use them all the time, but I need to be able to understand them. And I think everybody needs to as well. You know, uh, I look back at it and, you know, if you're AD and you don't know how to use these things, you're not going to be effective to your, your staff. You're not going to be effective to your student athletes. Yes, you might be putting the people, you might hire the people to be able to do these things. But if you don't have an understanding yourself, you know, you know, if that person leaves, then what, you know, um, if, if, if your student athletes are coming to you to talk to you about stuff and you have no idea what they're talking about it, you know, how effective is it anyway? So again, you know, I think everybody should go out there and get this knowledge. Absolutely. I always think of a guy like Martin Jarman out at UCLA and how well he utilizes Twitter and Instagram to engage his following. He's just a rock star AD. And I know behind the scenes, he's doing a lot of great work too but his ability to promote it and have that visibility. Uh, I don't think you can really assign a value to that. No, not at all. You know, I think eighties, you know, for a long time in this industry have been the, um, the, the unknown uh, faceless gods of athletics. Um, but that's, that doesn't work anymore. You know, you need people who are visible 
you know, to the constituents, which are the fans, which are the donors, which are the, the student athletes and the staff to really rally behind. I look at the schools that are dominating right now in this, uh, you know, football championship world or um, just in collegiate athletics as a whole that are actually making money. You know, you know these ADs by name, you know, even to our case, our, our former AD that we worked for and Mr. Long, you know, people knew who he was, you know, because he was with the college football playoff. Uh, he was formerly at Arkansas and he was a name that you said it and people would know automatically. Um, but again, those days are changing. You know, you need ADs to be moving and, and, and not just saying the right things, but really, you know, putting action behind their words. Absolutely, man. And speaking of Arkansas and name image likeness, you know, our, our friend Terry Prentice is doing really good work there and uh, building a really strong program that I think is getting some national recognition. So want to give him a plug. And, um, you know, we, we've talked a lot about name image likeness. We've talked a lot about player development and things of that nature and KU leads. Another big mm-hmm. aspect of this all is mental health. And I think we're starting to see a little bit more coverage revolving around that in the media. We've had some athletes, a, a tennis star, and most recently Simone Biles sitting out of competitions because right. they just didn't have their mentals right. And I'm just wondering how you feel about all that and kind of what your take is. Oh, um, you know, not to be too cliche, but mental health as well. You know, if you're not in the right mindset, you're not in the right capacity to figure things out, um, you lose. Um, and, you know, any job that wants you to be there and be mindless, um, and, and just go through the motions, you know, you're not helping them. You know, like I firmly believe that this pandemic opened up a lot of people's eyes on effectiveness and burnout because, you know, sitting behind a screen daily, whether it's in an office or not in an office, can be very taxing. I think the one caveat, though, is um, when you are at home, you don't have to go and put on, you know, you know, dress up to be in a bit, you know, building, you can actually be a little bit more effective. Um, and, and, and that's just my personal take. I know that everybody's going to agree with that. You know, there are some things that I do love about being in an office, you know, you can have off the cuff conversations. Um, you can sit down with people, you know, just because you were in the area, you connect with people more. I think our student athletes lose out with people not being in person because that's where those conversations happen. That's where you build those relationships. But a lot of times I'm finding, or I found that those hour long meetings could be emails. You know, sometimes you meet to meet or you, you meet so that we can keep an eye on things, not because you're being effective. I feel like I was far, I've been far more effective being at home than I was in any office. Yeah, that's a really good point. I didn't really think about the student athlete standpoint on that because I'm a huge proponent of four day work weeks, two in the office, two at home, hybrid style. I think that's the healthiest Mm -hmm. um, holistically for for the employee. But then when you think about it, well, if there's a student athlete who's having a hard time and we know their schedules are crazy with tutoring and classes and practice and all all the other things that go into it, maybe they only have a 30 minute window and they want to swing by and and see George on the way out of Wagnon, you know, if, if it's your day where you're working from home and they miss that opportunity, that could be something that sends them down a spiral where a conversation with you could help lift their spirits and suddenly, you know, they're, they're back to themselves. So I like that you pointed that out because I think we do need to think of things from the student's perspective more often than our own. Well, I think 
with everything happening with the pandemic and then you know with uh the the hor the horrific death of george floyd it opened up a lot of eyes um to a lot of different things um and you know trying to counsel students from afar was a very interesting task but at the same time if you built those relationships up it becomes somewhat easier uh, if you're going to i would say if you're going to be in a role where you're going to be remote you have to be available to talk at, at whatever time personally in and in, in, in all my interactions with my student athletes they have my number so they know that they can call anytime um they 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 facetime because students love to facetime i don't understand they say the volume on the phone is better but i don't get it but they will facetime you and you can still have those face-to-face -face conversations but again it's all about identifying establishing relationships if you you know if you are able to do that you have to really get gifted people in connecting with people you can't just have people who are there to write up procedures and do paperwork. You need people who are going to engage. And if you know how to engage, you can engage in person or you can engage over a screen like we're doing right now. Um, but not everybody is able to do that. Not everybody is able to talk and have purpose in what they're saying. Um, but, you know, kind of, you know, getting, you know, staring it back to the original point of the conversation is that, um, mental health again is wealth but are you training the people that are working with your students that you're working with your staff to to have mental health first aid you know i was you know able to do that when i was at ku to get that certification but again that was a day program are you doing stuff constantly to reinforce those ideals you know are you putting stuff in you know you you have i know that some companies allow you to take a day or two off a year for you know mental health purposes but intentionally, I think you should do it once a month or maybe, you know, you do a, a three days in, two days out type of situation. I don't know. I don't have a perfect answer to it. Uh, what was interesting, you know, during the pandemic, I was able to, to, to talk to Jane um, and the staff about doing a rotation, whereas you would be in person for a week and then you would be working remotely for two weeks. Um, unless, you know, somebody needed to come in, you know, you would be on standby to come in to work for somebody if they couldn't. But I think that model worked well because it allowed you to be in person when you needed to, but then also take the time to um, take care of whatever projects that you needed outwardly. And as long as you met regularly, I felt like we met more um, from a virtual standpoint than we did when we were in person. So Again, you know, balancing that, but making sure that you're being effective when you have that time together. Absolutely, man. I think flexibility is so key and in, in our ability to evolve and, and just be open-minded and empathetic, right? Because right. people are going through stuff. It's, it's hard, especially in the college athletic landscape when you're not just working nine to five, five days a week, right? As you alluded to, you kind of got to be on at all times. You might get an email, a text, a FaceTime uh, from a coworker, from a student. And then we all have our own personal lives too. So mm -hmm. I totally agree. You know, if somebody needs to take a day off of work, there should be, there should be no need to question it. You, you right. break your leg, you go have surgery and you recoup for, for a few weeks. You uh, break your mind um, and people think that you shouldn't take any time off of work or, or try to work through that. That's, that's something that we have to grow through and um, just find a new way of operating and new paradigm to revolve around. Right. Uh, what's funny is you have all this legislation that's come down about concussions. 
And so mental health is like having a concussion. If you if you if it's not the equilibrium isn't spinning right, you're not going to be as effective. Now you have some people who, in spite of that, can still pull it off, but that doesn't mean that they're playing as you know doing their best that they can do. And you know, particularly student athletes, I think have it the worst because not only are you balancing you know your your play and everything um, on the field, you also have to take care of it in the classroom. Um, and then you also have to be a good teammate. So you have to do it somewhat socially as well. And that can be very, very taxing um, because, you know, professionals, at least they can focus on this one thing and then they can go home. But I think the student athlete has to, to, to hit all of these elements and then, you know, stay eligible to participate, which is a lot. It is a lot. And sometimes we forget that these athletes are pre-med or engineering. They're going after very intense, rigorous degrees on top of all the hours they're dedicating to their sport and right. maybe they have a, you know, a relationship or friends that they're trying to, to work on as well. So um, just at the end of the day, I'm so inspired by student athletes and I really miss working with and for them. So, uh, you know, look forward to hopefully getting back to that at some point. And, and I know you do as well, man, this is, this has been a fun conversation. Is, is there anything else you wanted to touch on or any final words of wisdom? So I'm curious, you know, with you, you navigating, you, you, you've been in an athletic realm, you know, for a while and, you know, you've kind of navigated outside of it, you know, do you see yourself trying to be back in the athletic world or, you know, where do you see yourself going? Yeah, that's a million dollar question right now for me. Uh, I think about it often, you know, I kind of have an entrepreneurial mindset in a lot of ways but also like the structure of being in an organization. I like being around people. That's where I get energy. So for me, getting back into a role probably within an athletic department is, is a goal of mine. I don't know if it'll be a, a smaller school or back at the power five level, but you know, this summer I've really just focused on family and taking time to be around my parents who've had some health issues and visiting some friends as well that I hadn't seen in a while. So that's been really refreshing. And I, I finally feel like I'm ready to roll with a, with a new job here. So I guess it's just going to be all about timing and opportunity, but definitely hope to, to break back in. I feel like I provide a lot of value. Uh, also think I have a lot to work on and a lot of growth opportunities too. So hopefully somebody's willing to take a chance on me. I don't think I'm too expensive. <laughs> right, that's good to know. Um, you know, um, you know, if it, it, I can help anyway, you know, I will. Um, but, you know, so that we're not ending on such, you know, a, a more of a somber note. Let's let's do something a little bit more lighthearted. Uh, tell me what's the what's on your iPod right now. The last show you binge watched and the first place you want to go when, you know, the pandemic is truly over. Nice. OK, so. Man, I haven't binge watched anything probably since The Last Dance. I think that was probably the last thing that I've watched. And I've watched it a couple of times. I just think it's a great case study in leadership. So I need to put my game on, on TV because it's pretty much just Brewers or Bucks for me right now. Right. Uh, Packers right around the corner. Where I would like to go, I would love to get back to Europe. Um, I would really like to stop back by Iceland. It's an incredible country. Um, I also have like Switzerland and Barcelona high up there for me. Croatia would be cool. So maybe a little Euro trip at some point in time. Um, and then the first part of the question, remind me what that was. Oh, um, what's on your iPod 
Oh yeah, an additional, yeah. An additional question is a book that that, nice. that needs to be checked out. Nice. Yeah. So um, I've been listening to a lot of Glass Animals, kind of alternative. Then also my buddy Mike just recommended the artist Mike. I believe he used to be Mike Stud, but now he's just Mike and has a new album out. I listened a little bit last night. It was a good vibe. But uh, Pops has always got country music playing around the house. So it's summer in Wisconsin, so country is pretty applicable. And then in regards to the book. I country and baseball. So, yeah, I understand. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I would say Atomic Habits by James Clear is just like a must read for everybody. It's a, it's a tremendous, you know, personal development. Some people like to say self-help. I like development book. And it's just going to really help you maybe get a better structure and focus in your life. And then right now I'm reading Jordan B. Peterson. He's a psychologist at the University of Toronto. His second book, it's the sequel to 12 Rules for Life. It's 12 More Rules for Life. Um, okay. An antidote to chaos, trying to help help you get a little more orderly and, you know, try to reach self-actualization one day. So I guess I got to I gotta turn that back to you. What, what are you hot on music-wise right now? What are you reading? Okay. Um, music wise is interesting. You know, I'm, I'm kind of all over the place, but I've been listening to Tyler, the creator, um, uh, Snow Allegra. Um, but generally like, I like to go back and listen to stuff that I haven't listened to in some time, you know, like, so I'm a nineties R and B and rap guy. So I listen to a lot of that. Um, binge watching, uh, I, a, a self-professed Disney plus person. So just finished Loki. Um, and I am starting on, uh, I'm going to watch Black Widow sometime this weekend. Um, and then reading wise, I mean, I've read quite a few things. I would say Scott O'Neill's Be Where Your Feet Are, um, John Gordon's The Energy Bus, uh, I'm With You Too, Atomic Habits. Um, but I've kind of cheated because I've been listening to audiobooks to to go along with reading it, because sometimes when you hear it, um, it kind of resonates a little bit more. Uh, I've also been, you know, amping up and, and doing more some graphic design stuff, because again, I want to bring it back, the element to student athletes. And the more I know, the more I can help them with that. Uh, and I really forgot the other question, because even though I said it, I forgot it was, it was four <laughs> things. Oh, man, I, because you're talking about audiobooks, I love Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. It's kind of a look at his entire life, and he's just got so many cool insights. Uh, I'm, I'm writing this down now. You yeah, yeah, green lights. Green lights, baby. We're we're looking for green lights in life, and he's he's breaking it down for you. So I highly recommend that. And then, are you into podcasts, G? I am. I am. What are you hot on this summer? So, um, I it's a few. Um, I, I have to represent. Uh, there are a group of five young ladies that are in sports. Um, but they go as starter five um, and it's magnificent, you know, you know, for a younger professional in, in athletics, it, it gives a really good insight to, you know, how they think. And, you know, even though I'm older, I, I still get a lot of stuff from them. Um, I've listened to the scam goddess. It's, it's, it's interesting. So she talks about different scams that are going on and, different businesses that people don't know about it, like Ponzi schemes, that stuff. And it's always interesting hearing how the criminal mind works and thinks. Uh, and then, um, you know, if it's out there and it's interesting, I'll check it out. So those are the two that I listen to right now, but I mean, I'm always listening, waiting to hear something else. 
Nice. I'm gonna have to check those out. I've been because Terry always sends them to me. The Yahoo Sports college football guys. I think it's like Pete Thamel, um, yeah. Pat Ford, and a couple others. That that's a pretty good one. And um, yeah, I've been kind of in more into like the finance area and investing. Right. So I've been listening to a couple podcasts in that space. But I gotta get into the uh, the thrillers, kind of you know the crime. Those are always uh, pretty riveting listens. Yeah, I used to listen to Serial. Uh, oh, quite yeah. a bit classic um but i've kind of fallen off from that but um going on a road trip this weekend so um gives me a chance to kind of listen to all of those things absolutely man no doubt dude this has been an awesome conversation i knew it would be oh, great no doubt. it took us a while to to get it done but i'm excited to share it and we'll have plenty more opportunities in the future to record more man um any final words of wisdom um one thing you know um i say this all the time, but especially with, you know, everything that's happened in 2020 and kind of rehappening again with 2021 is life is short, make love to the moment. And, and, and for, for that, that means to me more than anything is really embrace life as a whole, you know, don't let anything be taken for granted because tomorrow truly isn't promised. Um, Really take advantage of it and go out there and live your life to the fullest. Boom. That's a mic drop moment right there, baby. I love it. Be where your feet are, just like the book Mm -hmm. that you said. George, you're awesome. I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you for coming on. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Until next time, this is Derek out.